All right, thank you, Sarah, and uh, thank you for what you do and for what the Open Door does. Um, it just it is a tremendous ministry and reaches so many people right here in our own community. So good morning, Chapel Hill. All right, everybody's awake, warmed up. Um, I really do hope to see many of you on Wednesday evening at our pie night. Um, we're going to spend some time together giving thanks. We're going to laugh together. We're going to eat together. We're going to listen to some stories together of people from this group, from our church family here, who are going to talk a little bit um, specifically about what Thanksgiving means to them in their lives, no matter what they're facing right now. And um, I know that God's going to bless that time for us as a church family, and that is a great time for you to bring your donations for the open door. Bring them on Wednesday when you come. All right, last week we looked together at a passage from Matthew chapter 11 that set the stage for last week and today's messages. Um, So let's look at that passage together again. This is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, and this is Jesus speaking, and this is what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Let's take a moment and pray together, okay? Let's pray. And in this moment, as you come before God right now, just allow this invitation to sink in deeply. Jesus is inviting you to be yoked to him, joined with him in his mission, joined with him on the ancient path, close to him, He promises that as you walk with him, close to him, he will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this amazing invitation. Thank you for your desire, based in love, your desire to bless us in this way to keep us close, to keep us involved, to keep us moving and growing and multiplying and in the midst of all that, to bless us with rest. And as we talk about that rest this morning, I pray that, first of all, you would just help us to be honest with you about how exhausted we are and that you'd help us to be vulnerable enough to accept the rest that you offer. Guide us to that place today. We give this message, this time, the baptisms to come. We give it all to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. All right, last week we talked about the idea of being yoked to Jesus. In the context of taking Jesus' yoke upon us, we are offered rest And let's face it, we are an exhausted culture. Do you know that there is no other country in the world that produces on the level that the U.S. does that works more hours than we do? More than any country in the world that produces like we do, we work the most hours every year. We're a tired society. 
And we don't seem to know how to get off the track that we're on. Culturally, we seem to think that we understand what true rest is. We get off work, we sit down, we pull up social media or Netflix, and we're resting. Or so we think. So why is it that this cultural version of rest is not working for us? Back in April, I went into my sabbatical exhausted. I did a burnout assessment and scored frighteningly high. I was in a place where I truly had to examine and grasp and understand and fully embrace the concept of the rest that God offers us. I think we all need to revisit the biblical principle of rest. Jesus invited us into his rest, his rest. So I did some reading in the Bible about rest. I read a chapter on rest in a book that was shared with me called Beautiful Resistance, The Joy of Conviction in a Culture of Compromise. Thank you, Kim Clayham, for handing that one off my way. And I revisited an old book from the 60s called The Indwelling Life of Christ by Major Ian Thomas. All of these were very helpful for me as I took a look at rest and what it truly means. And so let's look at just a few ways that the word rest is used in the Bible. First of all, there's a type of rest that refers to the eternal phase of life that begins when we die. And we are in eternal life now. We have received eternal life. But of course, there's going to be this transition when we die and enter into life in the presence of God. Revelation 14 verse 13 says this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. We will rest from our labors for all of eternity. That's a rest that's waiting for us. And knowing that this rest is coming gives us hope in the midst of our toiling here in this life. We will enter into God's rest in his presence forever. There's a second type of rest that's referred to in the Bible. This is the Sabbath rest that God modeled for us and instructed his people to observe. In the creation story, we read this in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God made the seventh day holy and instructed his people on how to keep that day holy. This is Exodus 34, verse 21. It says, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even in plowing time and in harvest time you shall rest. God's people were to rest on the seventh day. And unlike our culture, they didn't go, go, go 24-7. In fact, I'm quite sure they used the term 24-6. Then Jesus arrived, and he, that's why the title's on the sign, in case you were confused coming in, like, what is that? <laughs> One of my sons, I think, said, is that a date for something? It's... <laughs> Then Jesus arrived and he stepped into the whole Sabbath rest concept. He, of course, was accused of breaking the Sabbath laws, and we certainly could enter that debate over the Sabbath laws this morning. 
Or we could simply agree with Jesus on something he said about the Sabbath. In Luke 6, Jesus had to respond to accusations about breaking the Sabbath because his disciples picked and ate grain on Sunday or Saturday, whatever it was. And so Jesus made this statement in Luke chapter 6, verse 5. And he said to them, the Son of Man, meaning himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. We're not going to debate how we ought to observe the Sabbath laws today in 2022, but we are going to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And since you and I have direct access to the Lord of the Sabbath, we're going to ask the Lord of the Sabbath what he wants us to do in observance of the Sabbath and its holiness. And according to the new covenant that he made with his people, he will write his laws on the hearts and minds of his people. And so I encourage you to invite him to write. The third meaning of rest that we're going to spend some time on is the one Jesus used in Matthew 11. He invited us to take his yoke upon us and promised that as we do, we will find rest for our souls. In this context, receiving rest means that we're going to have our souls refreshed. Jesus promised to give us new strength and new energy in our minds, in our emotions, in our wills, our decision-making. He restores us. He replaces our strength with his strength. This was likely the most remarkable thing that happened to me as I entered into the Sabbath rest that a sabbatical provides. Jesus has given me fresh strength and new energy. I feel it. Many of you have commented on it. This is what he's done for me. His strength, his energy, and he wants to do it for every single one of us. So how do we get there? What can we do to accept and enter into that rest For me personally, this is more mindset than it is discipline. I want to experience the fullness of God's rest. So I'm going to talk now about how I can embrace this promise that Jesus made in a personal way. And my prayer for you this morning is that you'll connect with this as well and you will find that there are ways that you can connect with this concept of rest in your life as well. There are four steps that I can see that form a bit of a process for me. These were inspired by the book Beautiful Resistance, but have been adopted to fit my own journey. Um, It just kind of got my mind going down a specific path. When I was in the early stages of my sabbatical, I spent quite a bit of time trying to identify the cause of my burnout. I read through a resource that identified the most common causes of burnout among pastors. That was a terrifying read. But I was happy to discover that I was not burned out by some of the most common causes, like being a workaholic. That was not me. My issue was that I had, become, I had reached this point where I was working off my strength only. Not God's. And there's a trap that we can easily fall into when we become dependent on our own strength. Working, which is not a bad thing, 
can easily turn into toil or labor or an unwelcome burden. Our culture pours gas on that fire and tells us to work more and work harder so that we can succeed by the world's standards. We can have more money, more stuff, more power, more status, more pride. And since none of those things can actually satisfy us, work becomes toil and toil leads to exhaustion and burnout for so, so many people. The yoke I had taken on, believing that I was smart enough, strong enough, tough enough, gifted enough, educated enough, that I could do this myself, that had to be broken. I had to break that yoke. And to break that yoke, I had to stop toiling. I had to stop working by my own strength. Did I simply stop going to work and just stay home and binge every documentary series that was related in any way to Alaska? <laughs> Which I could easily do, <laughs> but no, I didn't. But I had to stop toiling in order to discover that I had strayed from the ancient path to travel on my own by my own strength. God made us to work. Something very beautiful about joining Jesus in his mission, following God's will for our lives, which includes work. But as he instructed us, we need time to stop working, especially to check the level at which we're relying on our own strength. If we're exhausted burned out, discouraged, we need to figure out a way to stop toiling. Our culture will put enormous pressure on us to go, go, go 24-7. Living in a 24-6 mindset and taking breaks from our labor can go a long way in breaking the yoke of this world that drives us to the point of exhaustion. We've traveled south a lot um, to visit my parents who used to live in Oklahoma. Whenever gas prices have gone up and made the trip a little more painful, I'm always tempted at the gas stations in Iowa to just buy the cheapest gas. The 87 octane level is the best for my car, but that higher octane gas always seems to be a lot cheaper as we travel through that area, and I'm left to decide which one is best for my vehicle. The same principle applies to us in our need for rest. What kind of rest is best for us, for our lives? God has called us according to his purpose. Jesus promised that as we walk the ancient path, yoked to him, we will find rest for our souls. Now, one kind of rest is idleness. We just don't do anything. We check out of everything. But as people who have been called into God's great commission, idleness is not an option for us. Jesus promised to provide his strengths, his strength and his energy for his mission, for his call, his will for our lives. We rest within that calling. Culture often defines rest as relaxation. Take the day off, order a pizza, turn on the game, chill. 
None of these things are bad in themselves again. They do actually seem to help us physically, mentally, and even emotionally. But relaxation doesn't have the ability to renew us for the calling that God has invited us into. There's only one kind of rest that can do that. At no point does Jesus instruct us to leave his yoke behind and go take a break. In fact, he promised that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Jesus generously provides all that we need to carry out our call to reflect his image in this world. We need to be refreshed. And in case your pride is urging you to raise your hand and and protest and declare that you're above needing refreshment, please consider Exodus chapter 31, verse 17. It's about the Sabbath. And it says this, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel, between God and the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Catch the last three words. And was refreshed. God was refreshed. Take any thought that you're, you're, you're having that you don't need refreshing and get rid of it right now. We need refreshing. And the only way that ref, that, to that refreshing is to accept Jesus' yoke and Jesus' rest. Third thing that I need to keep in mind is the true source of my identity. Who am I? Am I defined by my work or am I defined by being yoked to Christ? I'm not blind to the fact that we spend the most significant amount of time in our lives in our jobs or work, any, in, in that compared to anything else in life. And I can easily be defined by what I do in this world. But who am I really? Now, I preach identity in Christ. This ought to come easy for me, right? But in some ways, it's even harder to set aside my identity as a pastor to restore my identity in Christ. I'm part of a small men's group right now that meets weekly to grow together and support each other. We've been working through a series called Becoming a Noble King. Through the lessons and reading and conversation, I found myself confronted with an aspect of my identity that I hadn't really dug into before. It's the concept of me as a son. Not of my earthly dad, but more a son of God and what it means for me to be his son. That's my identity and I need to step outside the context of my job and my life to really see that that I am God's son. And so let me challenge you right now. How much of your identity is tied up in what you do for a living? Are you letting your job, a temporary role in this temporary life, define who you are? Or are you finding your identity and your closeness to God and who he says you are in that context? What do you need to do to separate yourself from your work, including your work at home, long enough to allow God to restore your true identity? You are, more than anything, God's son, God's daughter. 
You are his chosen, his beloved. You are children. You are citizens of his nation, saints in his kingdom. Church, take the time to remember that and to focus on that. Last weekend, we drove to Chicago. Drove out Friday, ate some deep dish pizza for dinner, (laughs) slept, got up, went to our son's rugby game against the team from Chicago, and then we drove back Saturday afternoon and well into the night. (laughs) We had two hours to claim for sightseeing on Saturday morning. And so we did it. We claimed it. We drove into downtown. We followed Lakeshore Drive, cruised through downtown to see as much as we could see. And we saw a lot. We saw the aquarium, the field museum, Soldier Field, Navy Pier, the Willis Tower, that other huge building, the Lincoln Park Zoo, the L, and much, much more. We saw tons of stuff in a very short period of time. So let me draw a parallel between our trip to Chicago and our need to seek the rest that Jesus invites us into. Our busyness in life and our bondage to the culture very often causes us to miss seeing something spectacular. We miss seeing God. We miss seeing his creativity, his power, his grace in our lives, his generosity to us, his goodness and love. We need to take a break from the toil and take in the sights, take in his presence. We need to pause and notice just how amazing God is. We need to pause and notice God. And in those moments, we will find ourselves drawing closer to him and we'll find God growing closer to us and that closeness will lead us to a place where our minds and hearts can't help but worship. And we're going to talk about worship next week. My sabbatical was an expression of the Sabbath principle for me. But here's what this all leads me to ask. Do I honestly desire to be close to God? Is closeness with God worth me intentionally breaking any and all of the ways in which I am yoked to the world? Will I fight for that closeness? Am I seeking and finding the best kind of rest that I can? Will I draw close to God in the act of relaxing or in being yoked to Christ? Do I desire to have my true identity restored or am I satisfied with my earthly identity? Is closeness with God worth me stepping aside from the busyness and ambition in my life to see him and rest in his presence? The idea of sabbatical rest is much, much more than a religious discipline. It has a purpose. And that purpose needs to drive us to claim time for God. 
our love for him and our desire to be closer to him has to be enough to make us not just willing but eager to set aside the busyness and demands of this world and just be with him. So ask God to grow that desire in you. If you need to, tell him that you're sorry for not making closeness with him a priority. I needed to repent of that. Talk to him about the Sabbath principle, and I would encourage you when you talk to him to start your prayers this way. Dear Lord of the Sabbath, and then give him space in your schedule. He deserves it. And we need it. Will you pray with me for just a moment? And it's on each one of us just to say to God what we need to say to him. To do whatever we need to do to restore that closeness with him. To give him the time and space in our lives that he deserves and we need. And so, Father, we come before you this morning and just ask that you would forgive us for being so busy and so tied up in this world that you barely get any time. You barely get our focus barely make the priority list. And we're sorry for that. And I thank you that this is not merely a law that we have to follow. You have invited us into your calling, your mission, and in that context have promised us that we will find rest for our souls. And so God, we want to embrace that. And I pray for everyone that's here, for myself included, that we would figure out with you, that we would come to the Lord of the Sabbath and figure out what it is that you've put in front of us to make that happen, to make that closeness happen where we can enter into that rest that you want for us. Thank you that Jesus' burden is light. That his yoke is easy. This isn't a matter of us just toiling in a different way. Draw us close. Help us find that rest in you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord of the Sabbath. Amen.